Hello everybody and welcome to Let's Talk Catholic with Father Scott Lawler. As you know, at the request of our, our bishops, and quite rightly, um, these these weeks that we're in just now have to be used as a retreat, a moment of reflection on the horrors that are being proposed by Proposal 3. So last week you heard we talked about some of the philosophical background, asking people to reflect on what makes a person a human being and what is the difference between somebody being born and a couple of weeks before that, that what is it that makes somebody a human being and how easy it is for Christians, or should be, that to be a person means to be alive. And we deliberately didn't cover more specific things to do with laws and proposals because I knew very much by the grace of God and great thanks to the men who are sitting with me now that I was going to be able to do this program. So um, we'll open with prayer and then I'll give a little introduction and the two men with me will um, give a little bio of each one. So in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, I'm very blessed to have uh, two men sitting with me who I'm also able to call friends, which is also a blessing. But that's not why they're on the show. They're just, I happen to be very blessed in the friends that I have. Um, they're on the show because of their pro their professional uh, background and their abilities, um, as you will find out as we go on. Um, so one of them is Judge Tom Lacrosse. So thank you, Judge. You want to give us a little bit of your bio so people kind of know that you're not just some random character that I picked out of the ether? Sure. Um, uh, certainly, uh, uh, I've been married for 41 years. And I have three sons and uh, 13 grandchildren. I'm very proud of that. Um, I was uh, recently retired from uh, Alpena County Probate Court. Uh, I sat on the bench for 15 years. And I retired uh, last October, October uh, 21. Um, also, as a part of that, I was family court judge and also a district, 88th District Court judge. Um, so... Um, uh, that's uh, and and prior to that, twenty two years as a practicing lawyer. So. Yeah, just um, what does family court judge do? What is what is that? Well, uh, deal with all issues in the county and the geographic jurisdiction of the county uh, involving a child, uh, delinquency of children, and when children are uh, victims of abuse or neglect. Okay. So you've spent a chunk of your more recent senior career um, advocating uh, for children. Correct. Correct. Right. Even in probate court, um, uh, we advocated for kids who were recipients of, uh, who were injured, um, dog bite, traffic accident, or right. whatever, okay. and they got a settlement. Okay. Okay. So you've seen some very unpleasant things that have had to be, had to be addressed. Some oh, very yeah. dysfunctional family units yes. and people who are vulnerable to societies pushing them around. Oh, really. sure. In probate court, we dealt... Uh, I always identified uh, probate court as competency court because okay. that's the yeah. issue. That's always the issue. Right. Either a person's deceased 
or they're, uh, they have uh, some level of mental illness. Uh, minority uh, uh, puts their competency at issue. They're young. Okay. Uh, and so we dealt with those issues in probate. Okay, okay. And sitting across from him um, is his, uh, his son, who is a, a, a good friend of mine, who's been on the show, I don't know what, seven times before or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Um, so his voice will be familiar. Um, so, Larry, you just bring people up to speed on what you do for a living, but I'd also like you to let people know what you do for the diocese so that people understand that both you and your father are very invested in the protection of of young and vulnerable people. Sure. So not, not just what you do for your living living, but what you do for our diocese. Thank you, Father. And it's a pleasure to be back. Um, really happy that you invited us to be here today. Uh, my name is Larry LaCrosse, and I'm uh, a clinical social worker in my career. Um, I've been working for Catholic Human Services in the Diocese of Gaylord uh, for 14 years now, um, doing a lot of work um, with substance use disorders, with mental health. Um, I became a clinical supervisor out of Alpena and um, really getting involved with a lot of our programs that have to do with recovery from trauma, um, with recovery for folks who have mental health and substance use disorders, but also a lot of uh, efforts that we have to support families. Um, and to your other point, Father, the work that I do with the diocese, um, <clears throat> probably for about seven years now, um, it's, it's been a, a privilege of mine to work as the Victim Assistance Coordinator for the Diocese of Gaylord. And so as a Victim Assistance Coordinator, I do outreach and work with anyone who has experienced um, any type of abuse by a member of the clergy or a diocesan staff member or parish employee. Um, and through that, I actually uh, work with um, the you know survivors directly um, and then help them in their relationship with the diocese and as they walk through their journey and also uh, work with the um, diocesan review board as well. So I, th I think it's safe to say you both have vast experience in working with people who have had their rights or their abilities diminished by large organizations right absolutely who very much have, have felt that uh, an expression it's an old expression of course but it's them against the man mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so you, you both come at this from a, a point of view of wanting to make sure that the most vulnerable aren't abused right and it's certainly that it's not written in law to abuse the most vulnerable and and uh, so, thank you very much, both of you. Um, now, this, um, I, I've already said to, to both the judge and to, to Larry, that um, this might be, end up being more than one programme because there's a lot we want to cover and we want to make sure we cover it in depth. Judge Lacoste is very sensitive that he doesn't want to sound as if he's lecturing people and he doesn't want to be too techno, uh, technical and things like that. And, and I know Larry feels the same way when we start talking about what happens to people who are powerless once they've been made a victim of decisions made by, whether it be done by a school or something like that. But there is some of this that people need to hear because people, we would not be in this circumstance if people actually educated themselves. Because if people educated themselves, um, and this is not meant as a political statement, but it in some ways is, if people educated themselves, these kind of things would never happen. And I'll give you this as an example. If in the 70s, Every practicing Catholic 
had voted against abortion laws, um, they would never have happened in the States. Or if they would have happened in the States, they would have been rare and very much controlled. And the last time, I believe, I was told that the last time that a, va a vote like this was faced by people in Michigan, I believe was in the 90s, and it was about assisted suicide. And they think that over 90% mm -hmm. of practicing Catholics uh, voted against against this the assisted suicide. Mm -hmm. With COVID and things like that, it's, it's probably a much lower number. But even if we say there was 90, I think it was actually 93% of masculine Catholics, the estimate. What were the other 7% doing? They weren't educated. They weren't paying attention. They weren't invested in their fellow fellow men. And after all, this show is called Let's Talk Catholic. And part of being Catholic is recognising what a person is. And at some point, we'll talk about that and, uh, uh, and the judge will uh, explain how that's not a thing to be decided by law because law can't decide what a person is. Uh, because it would be an arbitrary decision then of what is personhood. Mm -hmm. So what I have asked both the men to do is we're going to give some background, stuff that people should have learned at school, but I know they didn't. So just about how American governance works and what is the difference between an amendment and a law. But first of all, what is the difference between um, a law being imposed as a federal thing and what's happening in constitutions. Um, so before we get to that, though, um, well, I, you know, let's go with that, because then um, judge might get a chance then to explain the difference between good law, bad law, cases that have happened in the past, like Dred Scott and things like that, that showed what happens if you don't recognise a person as um, someone who's got human life, that you start to look at a, a person as as chattel or contraband, as I believe in mm -hmm. some points, that's what they called the runaway slaves during mm -hmm. the the Civil War. They called them contraband because they couldn't call them human beings mm -hmm. because of, of that. So um, let's let's I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to attack the judge now. Okay. So um, American governance, okay. how does it work? Okay, very 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 generally. Um, uh, I think all power, all decision-making really starts with the people, starts there, okay? Uh, the American people years ago um, said, well, we, we, have to, we have to codify this some way. We have to state it. And so they created the Constitution, the American Constitution, immediately, almost immediately. We knew that we had to make changes to that, and so we made amendments to the Constitution. Amendments are the Constitution, but they, they become part of constitutional law, okay? Right. And and uh, the, the Constitution has been identified as being a, a skeleton, okay? okay? And we put flesh on this skeleton through our legislative laws. Federal legislation and our state legislative legislatures um, put meat on the on the bones, you know? They put flesh on the bones. Can I just... Sure. So... Obviously, people know I'm foreign, right? So, mm -hmm. by by bringing about amendments, mm -hmm. are we saying, well, the Constitution wasn't right to start with? No, not necessarily. Wasn't rather complete. Okay. Okay. Wasn't okay. complete, and so they they say they're amendments, um, and they are, but they're they're more specifically identified as supplements. Okay. Okay. Because the Constitution, as it was stated originally, 
had to be amended, had to be supplemented, okay? And uh, because it wasn't complete in its, in its original draft. And that's okay. That's okay. Okay, but you is know, it guided by the times or by something higher than the feeling of the times? Well, I, I think, I think um, you know, I'm, I'm not a constitutional expert. No, I appreciate that. But uh, I, I think that um, uh, the, the circumstances, uh, the Constitution is, is kind of an internal document. And, and when it was drafted, you talk about the original drafter's mm. intent, right? Mm. And so it, it, it's stated for all time, you know, and, and uh, its amendments, like I, I was saying earlier, are because this, the original statement wasn't complete, okay? So uh, uh, the, 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 that's why the amendments exist. Okay. Can I throw okay. something in here? Sure. great example of what you're talking about is the original Constitution contained the three-fifths compromise, mm-hmm. right, which counted black people as three-fifths of a person. Right. Good Good point. And yeah. um, which kind of gets directly to the point that we're making. And then it was the 14th Amendment that repealed that and created equal protection under the law. Right. There is some level of evolution right. of thought. Okay, right. okay. Okay. Right. And, and it's something that, and it, it's a conclusion. Aha, we should have thought of this back in 1776. Right. You know? Okay, okay. And we could have. Okay. But we didn't. And, and so um, it's. Okay, it's so, so you hear are, people talk about. Um, some justices mm-hmm. are is it is the term they use is it rigorists when they actually they think the constitution should be the guide and then some are much more lackadaisical in that so the, you know uh, the reason why that Roe versus Wade was overturned mm-hmm. wasn't because these people were rabid Catholics mm-hmm. like some people would say no. it's because it was bad law I th- and yes. it was looked at eventually we got a group of justices that were willing to look at, at it objectively from the point of view of what would the fathers want. Is that right? Is that the, the thing? Uh, that I, would be I think originalism so. or strict constructionism. Yeah. Is that right? And that's, well, that's... A, a piece, uh, the, the decision that overruled Roe and Casey mm. uh, is Dobbs, okay? okay? And it was interpreting uh, Mississippi law, okay, state law. Uh, and and uh, it said basically, uh, among other things, it said that um, one of the things for uh, uh, the for abortion to exist, okay, is if there's uh, a long history and tradition. Okay, he they they said there is no long history and tradition of abortion being a right. Okay, it's not it, up up until Roe. Uh, most of the states, if not all the states, uh, criminalized abortion. Yes. It was a crime. Right. And all of a sudden, in the early, uh, probably late 60s, early 70s, thinking started to change. But there's no long history and tradition of abortion at all. And that's why the one you mentioned in the passing, uh-huh. Casey's actually uh-huh. very important, isn't it? Because Casey, was it Casey the one to do with the empowering people to make their own health decisions or something? Was that um, the... I, uh, Casey really was a uh, Casey came about twenty years ago, and it basically said because of stare decisis or precedent, mm-hmm. you know, Rover Rose still good law. Oh right, okay, yeah. but there wasn't there. There was one just before Roe versus Wade that was about people being able to be empowered to make their own health decisions, wasn't there? And that 
That I, I read somewhere that that opened the gates to Roe versus Wade. Yeah, that I I couldn't. Okay, yeah. so um, but the thing is now, so somebody might say to you now, in fact, some people might be thinking this, mm-hmm. but there is now forty years. So mm-hmm. how could these justices look at this and say that there isn't a tradition when there is now forty years of tradition? Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the grand scheme of things, though. You know, in American jurisprudence, there is no uh, tradition, long tradition, right. okay. of of uh, abortion being, you know, okay. a right or yeah. anything. Other I also than think. Um, I also think it's important to look at the last forty years from both sides, which which we do, of course, and to recognize that the last forty years, um, you do have broader acceptance of abortion in the in the common culture, but you also have the growth of the pro life movement. And that the the pro life movement um, as as a political force, but also um, as as a a group of people really committed to educating the country, grew and grew. And you can see this as you know in the annual march on Washington um, that happens every January. Um, so if you look at you know historical precedent, you can really make a case for both that that there's a historical precedent that um, of opposition to Roe. Yeah, you uh, could, in opposition you to that, that could, idea. Yeah, you say there's a longer distaste yeah, right. of, of the enough, action. True yeah. And if you look at the last 40, 50 years of controversy, it's not it's not subtle law, it's not right. settled, but it's unsettled. Okay. The last 40, 50 years. So before, before we go back to amendments and, and what they are, um, you, you did very correctly say that, that before res, Roe versus Wade, um, abortion was, was criminal. But it, contrary to what some people are saying now, mm-hmm. no women were charged for having abortions. It was the people who did the the, the abortion mm-hmm. on the women that were charged. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that I have been seeing and I've read is this proposal is going to protect people, women, from being um, prosecuted for having miscarriages ectopic oh, yeah, or, or yeah. abortions. That's not a thing. Yeah, that's completely made up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and that's just not a thing. Yeah, uh, ectopic pregnancies, terrible thing for a woman to right. have to go through that. A miscarriage is a horrendous thing. But as Larry will be able to touch upon later in the conversation, no worse really than in fact, in some ways, undergoing an abortion is worse than having a miscarriage because of the trauma that mm-hmm. you cannot get help for. Yeah. So well, and it's uh, certainly it's artificial, and uh, miscarriage oftentimes is very very natural. Yes, it's more acceptable. So going back to um, the governance, so um, amendments are put to, are, are something that's uh, helping to to help the the constitution be organic to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but also um, almost like footnotes sometimes perhaps on. This is what this is what we meant. Um, kind of. Uh, I, I think uh, again, a better understanding of what an amendment is is what we should have known uh, when when the Constitution was was enacted. Right. Okay. Okay. And so it's it's a it's a maturing it's a okay. maturing of the statement. Okay. You know, uh, rather than a rewrite. You know, 
It's it's a supplement to the statement, okay. to the good statement that the Constitution is. So we have the federal for mm -hmm. the whole country, mm -hmm. and then each state has its own constitution? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And are they modeled on the constitution? If they were smart, they would model it on, on the constitution. Okay. Uh, no state constitution can come in uh, can be uh, can come into contradiction of the federal constitution. Federal constitution is is supreme, okay, a supreme statement, okay, okay, uh, uh, and no no state constitution can directly uh, uh, interfere with the federal constitution. Okay, so why is it then that the present government is not trying to put an amendment? like Proposal 3, into the Constitution? Into the federal Constitution, yes. the U.S. Constitution? Um, I don't think there, there there's... Uh, I, I think that would be years in the making to try to organize uh, that kind of thing because you have basically uh, 50 states, 50, 50 groups of mm -hmm. citizens that would have to come together and, and a common... Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's right. very, very, very <clears throat> difficult to do. So as it is now, uh, the Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court, sent the issue of abortion back to the fifty states. Okay. You know, and for their people to decide, and and they said, uh, you know, there's there's no right to privacy, or there's nothing under the federal constitution. Okay, as we interpret the federal constitution, there is not that. Okay, and and, and they sent it back to the the states. To okay. decide how they want to Okay, so I'm going to take this as not even a segue, but a very useful thing. Mm -hmm. So 170 years ago, mm -hmm. um, I don't know how many states there were. Maybe there was 40 states or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was something like 27 were against slavery and and 13 or something like that were pro-slavery. Okay. Um, that was left to the individual states. So you had somewhere like Missouri... Mm -hmm. that the, where there was open <coughs> conflict and things like that. Mm -hmm. Are we facing a similar kind of thing now by under under um, law that each state is going to be... So we, we might end up with uh, 40 states that mm -hmm. are pro-life or very minimal uh, permission of abortions mm -hmm. and we might have 10 states mm -hmm. that are going to be... Uh, anything goes? Yeah, I, I think that. I think that, but, but how can that? How can that? Before you, you sure. go on to answer that, how can that exist in a country with, with and not end up in some kind of conflict? Mm -hmm. I I think it's uh, that it's inviting uh, that that conflict, you know, uh, where the the fifty states there there is not a common ground, and so the, you know if proposal uh, three passes or fails. That's not the end of it by any means. Right. Okay. Uh, it's, it's something that um, we're going to be debating until we all go to heaven. But, but under, if we go back to the, the slavery thing, um, uh -huh. there were people who were actually moving from states to other mm -hmm. states mm -hmm. who, depending on how they felt about it, right. and then you had somebody like John Brown mm -hmm. who decided mm -hmm. he was going to take literally take the war, the battle, mm -hmm. to, to a, a state and, and commit atrocities which obviously none of us are advocating. Um, we're in danger of seeing these things then. We're in danger of seeing, I guess we would call it, abortion migration. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. it's already happening. It, it you is. have You yeah. have people who are, yeah. who are moving from state to state. And even more, um, 
you have uh, companies and you know institutions that are paying for people to do that ah, to uh, travel. Okay. You know? So before we go back to the the laws and the importance of personhood and things like that, mm-hmm. expand on that. So companies are are companies are are saying, and it seems as if it's some kind of largesse that they're willing to pay for women who are in one state to mm-hmm. go to another state for... Now, nothing cynical about this, just in reality. Why would a, why would a, a company want to do something like that? I think it's something that we need to pay close attention to because this, this in my mind, is wrapped into a larger issue of how we deal with um, the... Uh, the role of women in our society and culture and really advocating for women's rights because um, there, there's, a, there's a bit of a false sense that um, expanding on easy access to abortion is a part of uh, true advocacy uh, for feminism and women's rights. But what we see on the flip side is a lack of support in our country for things like paid maternity leave or supporting um, child care for women who are working in careers and want to have kids and be mothers, and even the support for, um, you know, women with unintended pregnancy, which is kind of what gets, you know, my work involved in what our agency does is, um, you know, our open adoption program and our crisis pregnancy program supports women who have unintended pregnancies to make decisions about what they want and to get the support that they want. Um, so that's that's really those are the answers that our country really needs to be looking at is how do we expand on those types of supports, but that comes with a cost that comes with a, a, a resource cost and it it's it's about where we commit our resources um, and how that reflects our values and you know even going back a little bit to the discussion um, when the draft of Dobbs was released there was a pushback. Um, not so much on the issue of rights, although that was a big part of it, but on the issue of the economy and economic questions. Um, and you think about, you know, some of the comments that um, uh, Janet Yellen was making about the an economic impact of more children. So that gets at the, the, the supposedly helpful support that so many companies are extending to their employees, where if you become pregnant, we will pay for you to travel for an abortion. What's implicit in that, rather than um, saying this is, you know, about reproductive freedom, is this is the price of continuing to advance in your career. Yeah. Um, And I think that uh, hidden in that message is really a subtle oppression against women in our culture that more and more they're pushed toward um, one type of reproductive choice, which is don't have children being the same or delay having being children. the same as men correct and instead of really looking uh, in a comprehensive way at how do we support women who have children um, how do we how do we support their continued access to the workplace equal pay uh, with the men that they work with equal advancement in their career um, with children and that's something our society does not do a good job on um, and in the, the the large companies who are you know who will pay for a flight to uh, mm-hmm. uh, another state, um, so you have access you know so a woman has access to abortion. Um, I would take a look at their maternity leave policies, mm-hmm. you know, and their support for women who have children. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think uh, the cost benefit analysis from a corporate standpoint mm-hmm. is that it's cheaper for a woman to have an abortion. I'll fly her to another state because it's cheaper than me responding to her. 
under my present maternity leave, mm. you know. And I, I do suspect, before we go back yeah. on to um, the law amendment thing, I suspect that in states that um, pass these kind of proposals, the, the state employees will, the only counselling they'll get is, you really should be thinking about um, getting rid of this child if you want to carry, if you want to carry on. So, okay. So, very good explanation of why the 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 constitution is not going to be addressing this, and we've looked at um, the very very confusing circumstance that that we might get into. So, there was a there's actual historical law case that reinforces this, and it's the Dred Scott, isn't it? It's the case of the the slave who ran away from the south. And then he was caught again, I think, in Wisconsin. It was one of the uh, northern states, wasn't it? Free state. Yeah, it was one of the I northern states. Maryland. Was yeah. it one of the northern states? Yeah. And then he's, his owner mm-hmm. wanted to take him back. That's right. He was helped by some of the underground railway people to get to court. And he failed. And why did he fail, Judge? Yeah. Well, uh, he, it was identified that he was property. You know, and the the person. Let's just repeat that slowly. Yeah. <laughs> a human being. Yeah. Was considered to be property. Sure, sure. And so not a person. No, not a person. Not a personhood. A it's it's yes. Yes. Chattel. Yes. Chattel. Yeah. You know, yeah. and thus being that person's property, the slave owner's property, he had a right to have his property back. Okay, so this is as if he had a cow. Yeah. Or a sheep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, or a chair or anything else. You know, it's my chair. I can prove it. And therefore, it's mine. That's it. End of story. Okay. You know. So this so. this takes us to something which which we've already alluded to, the what is a person. Mm-hmm. And how law, usually when it tries to define what a person is, just completely messes it up. Mm-hmm. So um, do you want to say a few things about why... There's certain things that law, as opposed to faith, mm-hmm. faith can talk about these things, but why mm-hmm. law isn't the, the answer to everything? Well, it, it cannot be. I, I mean, it, primarily law is, is the, the, the written law. And, and the, the American jurisprudence, a zillion pages of written law, we're trying to get right. Okay, we try to get it right. Uh, and and we cannot, we we just you just cannot. Okay, and what we try to do is address uh, so many aspects, so many situations, and and we just can't, you know, in our uh, federal and state law, we can't do it. Uh, we try, and and some of the some of the things that uh, uh, um, underscore why we we make these efforts is it emanates from the beauty of the people. They created this beautiful United States Constitution, which it really is, mm-hmm. w- with our amendments. And we have, uh, from my perspective and, and many, many people's perspective, the, the, the greatest uh, uh, system <coughs> of governance in the world. You know? uh, uh, and and uh, so we, we have great, great faith in that. That's why January 6th was so, so terribly disturbing 
um, and made me cry. Mm. <coughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and Just as a slight uh-huh. thing, um, talk about checks and balances mm-hmm. of because your government system is supposed to be checks and balances, isn't mm-hmm. it? The mm-hmm. three pillars. Sure. That yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's certainly that's part of the Constitution. <coughs> the reality of the legislative branch, the executive branch, and the Supreme Court, the, the judicial mm-hmm. branch. Okay, and there are checks and balances. There's th- there's supposed to be three equal. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, legs to the, the stool, right? And and uh, the Supreme Court, United States Supreme Court, and the appeals courts, uh, they have the primary job of interpreting. A law and its its um, uh, enforcement, whether it's it's consistent with the Constitution, state or federal Constitution. Okay. Okay. Whether it's just consistent. run that, just run that again, mm-hmm. because this is something that I know has become very vague to people. Yeah. The 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 Supreme Court's task is. Yep. Yeah, and it looks <clears throat> at and uh, for for a case to come to an appeals court. Uh, there has to be a case or controversy. Okay. It just can't, they just, the, Supreme, the, the appeals court uh, can't just take a case out of thin air. There has to be a case or controversy. Okay. And then they can interpret that which is, is attempting to be enforced versus the higher constitution. Is it consistent with the constitution? Right. Mm-hmm. Is it consistent? Okay. You know? So is this why we hear some people in the public forum want to cast aside the Constitution because they want to re- rewrite oh yeah sure so many laws because there are oh, yeah. there are some people some people in elected office and some yeah. academics yeah. who think the Constitution has to be cast aside it's a dead document yeah. right. right and and, and <coughs> they would have a point okay if the Constitution itself didn't identify how it could be changed. Ah, yes, mm-hmm. right. And the Constitution right. contains within itself how it can be amended. Right. Okay? Yes, right. Uh, and and okay. so they have a ground, they have a, okay. a place to go if they want to amend or change the Constitution. Mm. Okay. They they just can't uh, come to the conclusion that it must be abolished. Mm-hmm. Okay. Through civil war otherwise. I want to mention something else I think is important to remember. When you think about um, the Constitution... And its role in protecting rights. Because there's a couple misconceptions, I think, that are commonly believed. Um, one is that the, um, the Constitution gives the power to the government, which it doesn't. The, the power to govern comes from the people. You know, which so that's is a, the whole we the people. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's, a, that's a really important distinction. Because that was a distinction that was not necessarily as present in some of the European governments, yeah. you know, yeah. which you know resulted in all. But then that was, was not present in Roe versus Wade. Correct, and that's an important point. The second piece is that the Constitution does not give rights, and that's a very important thing to understand. An alienable right. The well, whole, no, but the, the Constitution. Term. But it, it, the Constitution identifies. Uh, that there's something greater than the Constitution. Exactly. Yeah. But and that's that's what I think we need to understand and that because would that's be humanity, inalienable well, rights. But the the know? Constitution and recognizes humanity. that it it specifically protects rights from the government. That's right. that's the the Bill of mm-hmm. Rights. You know, Congress shall no, make no law. You know, infringing this but and that. What, what sorry? What are considered to be inalienable rights? The right to life. But the, right, this and yeah, this is uh, you're being recognized as a person. 
right? Oh, sure. But that's yeah. that's why you have to interpret the Constitution in context with the Declaration of Independence. Because yes. the words inalienable rights Correct. don't appear in the Constitution. Yeah. That's the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. And so the, the Constitution is predicated on the idea that rights are inalienable. They're, they're attached to the person. And that's, that gets us at uh, the central argument. To person. That the rights, all the rights protected in the Constitution, mm-hmm. attach to a person by virtue of their humanity. Mm-hmm. And, and Thomas Jefferson says, endowed by their creator. Right. Which gets us into, you know, the role of faith. But I, I would suggest that we, that, that we look not only to faith, although we do obviously look at faith, but it's simply in, um, if we look at science and rational understanding, um, we can get there because um, that, that's the, the question that uh, I think we, the, the, set, the whole central question that you're getting at um, and understanding that the, the rights don't come from the Constitution. They come by virtue of being a person. Yeah, but then well, you, again, you look at the progression. You, everything comes from God to the people. The people, the goodness of the people in the United States created the Declaration of Independence. They mm-hmm. declared we're independent, you know, of Britain and all that stuff. And then from that, the Constitution, and then from that, you know, but ultimately it emanates from God, you know. Okay. So personhood, um, when the, the the justices were looking at Roe versus Wade and the Dobbs case and things like that, um, they declared that there was no right to abortion. Mm-hmm. Now, by doing that, are they saying that there's a right to life? Or is it not as simple as that? I, I think they... Uh... Certainly, in Casey, they punted. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. And right. and uh, in even in Dobbs, they punted. Okay. And and they 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 deferred to the states making those ultimate decisions. Okay. How to proceed. Okay. okay. So that now takes us to Michigan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So, for the best part of a hundred years, Michigan had a priest a, a law from nineteen thirty one that in certain circumstances uh, abortion was allowed. Uh, the main one being the, the life of the mother, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right? And um, that is a law. right? But rather than wanting to have some laws mm-hmm. about these things, organisations, elected officials, have decided to go for an amendment change What's the difference between wanting to change the law or have laws similar to Roe versus Wade and going down the route of the amendment change? What's why? What's the difference there between amendment and law? Uh, I think amendment, once passed, is law. Okay, you're talking about different types of law. Okay. And and one has uh, one supersedes the other, or is more important a uh, greater statement. Okay. And if you're looking at the uh, state of Michigan, the, the the greatest statement in a sense, other than the people, is certainly the Constitution, the Michigan State Constitution. 
And that's what Proposal 3 is. Right. An amendment to the state constitution. And so what so if we go sorry if we go back to what we were what we've been talking about about the constitution uh-huh. and and um your explanation of the place amendments have in that uh-huh. is this an attempt to say that this is what the state fathers w- would kind of want it yes it's the, yes okay it's a very it's a, it's quite the attempt at trying to say that the drafters of the Constitution wanted abortion, but not just that. All these that? other things, which we'll yeah. get, which oh, we'll yeah. get to. Oh, so, yeah. so a correct understanding of this mm-hmm. sh- should be that when you're thinking about Proposal Three, or whether you vote yes or no of it, mm-hmm. is that what is being proposed to you is that the fathers of the state of Michigan, which has never permitted abortion. Uh, apart from in very specific circumstances, want an anything go what would have want or intended to have an anything goes um, amendment. That's an excellent way of looking at it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's a, it's a hearkening back to uh, uh, an original interpret uh, an original drafting of the Constitution and saying that Proposal Three should have been a part of that. Okay. Has there ever been an attempt for the Constitution to propose something that was so radical as Proposal 3 is? That I don't know. Do you think it I'm can not be a Michigan State I mean, talking, No, I know what I mean yeah. for, for the Constitution, not the Michigan State. Has there ever mm-hmm. been. I mean, these, this is a very. There are some very, very radical things mm-hmm. being proposed mm-hmm. here. And. Um, uh, it seems to me that uh, if you try to do that in the state, in the states, mm-hmm. you don't do it at a federal level. Try to bring about something so radical mm-hmm. that any amount of right-thinking people would be thinking this: uh-huh. this is no way in shape, shape or form is this what our founding fathers wanted? Yeah, exactly. I think that, and mm-hmm. I think that was a part of the thinking of the pro-abortionists: is that there is no way we could amend the U.S. Constitution. To get that in, and, and to get uh, uh, this type of language in the U.S. Constitution, amend that. My uh, uh, close to uh, uh, or or an, a- an analogy is the ERA of the seventies, mm-hmm. and there was so much there that was probably really good, and yet it didn't pass. It didn't amend the Constitution, mm-hmm. the Equal Rights Amendment. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. Okay. It didn't mm-hmm. make it. Okay. That was for federal, for federal, and there was a lot of support for the ERA, and it didn't make it. Okay, this would have a worse chance, I think. Mm-hmm. Proposal three on the federal level. Well, so. I think a big part of understanding the a con- the the power of a constitutional amendment is that all law in in a jurisdiction in the state is based on, has its basis in the Constitution, is in, and is interpreted through the Constitution. The U.S. Constitution? Well, in, in terms of Michigan law, this would, this would be a, create a downstream effect for all kinds of other laws. Um, and, you know, something that uh, oh, many... Oh, yeah, and we can definitely, we'll right. touch upon these things, because these, these are real concrete, there's just concrete things that, that we actually right. can identify yeah. in this. But why amend as opposed to try to pass laws because each state has its has is like a mirror of the federal state isn't it it has the three 
the, the three, three pillars, yeah. Mm-hmm. Each state has a Senate, a Congress, and... Most states do. Um, so how, an how executive, do you, a legislature, how would you go about, uh, how, how, how would uh, you and I go about um, bringing about a, a law, as opposed to an amendment, a law in Michigan? What would what would you have to do? It, it, you know, uh, again, you go back to different types of law. Constitutional law, uh, case law, legislative law. You know, all okay. three... All three can make laws. Right. You know? Okay. Yeah. So if I wanted a, a an abortion law, I wanted mm-hmm. abortion for anybody who's been assaulted, been raped, mm-hmm. right? Um, how, how would I go about doing that in Michigan if I wanted to make that a law? What, what as opposed could, to an amendment. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. What you could try to do uh, is, through, is to take the Constitution as is and try to interpret it. In, in a way that allows for abortion in certain circumstances. Can't do it. I mean, it, it would be, the, the, the laws in the state of Michigan would not allow it. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. And so they have to start, in a sense, start over. Yes. They have to create in the Constitution uh, a right to an abortion. And this, this language in, in the proposal is very, very broad. Very, very broad. But in, in, by doing this, by looking for an amendment, mm-hmm. is this the, the the cleverest way for them to bring about these things yes. as opposed to try to create yes. new laws like going it to mm-hmm. the state legislature and try to get votes it's through? It's opening it. the door. Right. Mm-hmm. It opens okay. the door okay. to the, the development of many, many other laws that it, that would interpret this. Okay. And that's why it's so da- darn dangerous. Yes. Yeah. So before we go into the the specific more specific dangers mm-hmm. of of this, although you can be specific about this if you want. Uh-huh. Um bad law good law. So the example I gave to the parishioners was many years ago we had a, a lot of dogs, uh, pit bulls attacking mm-hmm. children in the late 90s in Britain and there was an e-jerk law passed in parliament and the law was very specific, and it said that it was dangerous breeds, it named like four, four or five breeds, that if they attacked uh, people, the police could take them and put them down. Turned out that most of the dogs that are attacking people are not thoroughbreds, because if somebody's got a thoroughbred pit bull, it's usually for display purposes, and they don't let it near folk, <laughs> for example. right? So, bad law, too specific. The equivalent, if it had been a, 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 poor, a poor law with too vague, would have been that all dogs that um, show any aggression towards human beings can be killed. And that, of course, would have stopped guard dogs, dogs protecting mm-hmm. people, etc., etc. So, generally speaking, from when I studied jurisprudence, that's kind of what I remembered, that bad law is either law that's too specific or law that's too vague. Is that accurate, or would you like to nuance that? I, I think that's correct. I, I think that that's a correct view of 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 law. Okay. Okay. And if if a law uh, addresses the issue appropriately, uh, then it's it's certainly a good law and rights the wrong. Okay. Okay. And and now you uh, again you look at the language of this proposal. Yeah, so proposal three, mm-hmm. although it's amendment, as you were saying, an amendment yeah. is a type of law. Yeah. Um. Too specific, too vague. Well, if I'm limited to those those two words, I'd say it's too vague. But there's a third word that's a, a, a better a better descriptor 
of of the law, and that is the language is too broad. It's right. way too broad. Okay. You know, it, it takes into consideration way more possibilities here. Okay. And and so again, you go back to the Constitution as being a skeleton, right? Mm-hmm. And the the legislature fills out, puts flesh on it. It will take years and years and years. In the meantime, you have this amendment, you have this constitutional statement about abortion and many, many other things. Mm-hmm. Okay, And to try to put flesh on it, that's the legislative process. It would take years and years. In the meantime, there would be tons of abortions. Tons of abortions that are not regulated at all. Okay, And that it's a, it's, it's a free-for-all. As, as this proposal is written, it's a free-for-all. Why? Way beyond. Why is it free-for-all? Well, it, it, uh, it's state, uh, it's, uh, the state language, again, is, is very, very broad language. And it uh, identifies you have an absolute right to an abortion. But and, and any law that interferes with this right is eliminated, repealed. Right. Right? Yes. And, and also... So, it doesn't even say an age no. for abortion, does it? No, it doesn't. And so any uh, quote-unquote individual, including a child, mm. can get an abortion because they have the absolute right, according to this proposal. Without so, counseling? Without, without, without parental consent, without well, judicial consent. Okay, you know, and who, um, under this proposal, who can do an abortion? Pretty much anybody. Well, actually, they do have a term, don't they? It's... Uh, Healthcare professional, yeah. which but, is a, but in Michigan yeah. is a very, very, very vague term, big, yeah. very broad <laughs> yeah. term. Yeah. What constitutes the healthcare professional? And 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 constitutional language is intended to be somewhat broad, and there 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 is that process uh, for the legislature to do stuff. You know, okay. for uh, you know to to put flesh on. The yeah. So healthcare professionals, yeah. um, I believe, acupuncturists. Uh, dental hygienists, retired yeah. nurses, right. counselors. Anybody with a license. Yeah. Anybody with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. But again, there's no, there's no real definition, and to get at a definition, it, it would have to. Go I to see. Court. Would need to right. go to court. It would have right. to go to court, which would take years. Years. And in years. the meantime, uh-huh. um, because because many of these procedures, of course, are uh-huh. time sensitive, uh-huh. then often the cases would be, be mute because. Yeah. The child would would already be dead, or the mother would be dead. Yeah. And why do I say the mother would be dead? Because there's, it, it mentions that there is no requirement for passing of hygiene standards and things like that. Correct. No, you don't have mm-hmm. a regulated. You don't have time to have a regulated. Yes. Uh, and I wasn't. I, I didn't. Um, I didn't know we would go. That we would actually get. It'd be useful to bring this man's up, Kermit Gosnell. Mm-hmm. Right. So Gosnell. Is the worst serial killer that America's ever seen, as far as we know, uh, who is an abortionist, mm-hmm. right? And there's a reason why he's described as a serial killer. He's not just described as a serial killer by us, mm-hmm. who are against the killing of the unborn. He's uh-huh. called a serial killer by because the amount of women mm-hmm. who had died, died. Oh, yeah. and the yeah. fact that, uh, I've read sadly two books about him, but they were, they were useful, um, the Philadelphia Health Department stopped going to visit his clinic because they were told 
never got to the bottom of who told them this, mm -hmm. that because he would fail, but he was doing something that was needed for that district, but there were parts of babies lying about, there were cats crawling about the place, I think he had seven cats, there were plants, different vegetation and things like that inside. Um, under this proposal, he'd be untouchable. That is that is one of the areas when you think about something that's overly broad. Um, it starts by being overly broad, but it actually contains within it um, some very very robust uh, language. And in the, the in the middle of this is that an individual's right to reproductive freedom shall not be denied, burdened, or infringed upon unless justified by a compelling state interest. Achieved by the least restrictive yeah, what does means. that mean, the compelling state interest? Does that mean the state has control over a woman's body? The state has control over a woman's body. Well, the, when the I read that, here, that yeah. compelling by the state, what does that mean? The the idea here, and, and this is a, uh, you, Dad, you can speak to the, the mm -hmm. standard, um, the burden of proof that would be implied here. Mm -hmm. But the idea is they're giving a standard for um, basically saying that there is there shall be no regulation, no infringement upon this right, meaning you, you start when, when you enshrine a right in a constitution by recognizing it, you start by saying it's universal, and then the courts go through the process of limiting it by developing standards. But this constitutional amendment contains its own standard, mm -hmm. and it's an extremely high bar. So compelling state interest, I think that's where the courts will figure out what's the burden of proof needed to show that. But that means that the state has to demonstrate, there's, a, there's an affirmative duty on the government to demonstrate that they have a compelling interest to impose any regulation, meaning health and safety standards. And you, you'd think health and safety standards would be a no-brainer. It would, yeah. But that's look, exactly what I was thinking exactly, here. But yeah. look at the last 20 years of case law in so many different states challenging health mm -hmm. and safety standards mm -hmm. uh, attached to abortion clinics. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when states mm -hmm. out of compelling interest have said things like, you know, you need to be inspected, you need to be certified as a surgical center, yeah. or you, you need, need to have to, hospital yeah, privileges, you need to privileges, there's yeah. been tremendous pushback on that. Yeah. So, so there's no guarantee that any reasonable regulation would meet the burden of compelling state mm -hmm. interest. And and it's that kind of language is subject to politics, right? And who's making the decision then right. of what is it? Uh, I was just wondering interest. about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So because when it says state, well, what does it mean? Does it mean the Senate of the the state, or does it mean the governor, or what does what does that mean? What what the state of Michigan, which you know, is what the yeah how it expresses itself. It's is through its laws, okay, right? and regulations, and executive orders, and things like that. And uh, so, does it? Does the state of Michigan have a compelling state interest? Uh, yeah, you know, to to uh, regulate. You know, uh, like Larry said, it's very very okay. high burden. So, if a if the state of Michigan became uh, an abortion go to state, mm -hmm. right, and it had um, was offering a. a abortions in every major city mm -hmm. and people would fly here from places like Florida and Texas mm -hmm. um, then the state would have an interest because that would be a major source of income so the state would not regulate. That, is that, am, I, am I misreading no, that? Is I that, think that's, that's, that's any that's of those things are possible. Yeah. See, right. this, is, this is written Because you know in, in, in Europe we have um, euthanasia tourism. Mm -hmm. you know, people right. go to Switzerland right. in order to 
to be killed, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And um, it seems to me that because there is money in these things, mm-hmm. uh, why uh, Planned Parenthood, which, which um, despite what people sometimes seem to think, ain't a charity. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you, the ACLU, which uh, I have to say it laughingly, American Civil Liberties Union, Civil Liberties for who? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing. If this this proposal um, is going to be supported by people who are supposed to be defending the civil liberties of people, they've really lost their way. Because mm-hmm. I'm not a constitutional lawyer, I'm not even a lawyer. But when I read it, I kept thinking, this can't be right. Mm-hmm. This can't be right. Mm-hmm. People shouldn't want this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how some group that is supposed to be protecting the rights of people can be supporting the actual taking away of rights mm-hmm. of 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 people. So mm-hmm. in, when you were in court, um, some of what this proposal is talking about are the kind of things that were brought to your courts, right? But now they won't. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they just won't happen because no. people will have no, no, no right to seek probation and things. Uh, um, I think what you're talking about is, as it is right now, if a, if a juvenile uh, wants to get an abortion, parental consent, if not parental consent, they must go to court. Okay. okay. Is that, that, that Yeah, that'd be one thing. One okay. thing, yeah. But and I'm also thinking about um, seeking damages for infertility because uh-huh. a place wasn't clean. Uh-huh. Um, well, that's going to be taken away as well, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's because it's because it says in it that they're not subject to investigate to right. inspections. Correct. Correct. Okay. I, I think or in damages. Okay. Right. Yeah. If if as a result of uh, an abortion uh, something else goes wrong, like uh, the 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 mom is is damaged. Health wise, or killed, or dies, you know. Yes, yeah. It it's not recoverable. It's there's no place to go to get uh, recommends, you yeah. know. Uh, and the, the abortionist is kind of off the hook. They cannot be criminally prosecuted. Yeah. They cannot be civilly prosecuted. Based on this language, is that not as a lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. But also as an American citizen, both mm-hmm. of you, is that not seem really, really? Un-American. I mean, one of the things America's known for, right, is that everybody sues everybody. Yeah, right. When I, no, you know, it's just one of the things it's known yeah. for, right? And, yeah. and when I was reading this, this, I was thinking, what? An American yeah. is writing something so that other Americans can't sue people. Yeah. Can you sue the person that wrote it? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. This, this is, it's interesting because there's a lot of, there's a lot of restrictions that that would prevent the state from doing anything. It's it's silent on individual claims, um, but what what it does potentially is dismantle the state's ability yeah. to regulate. I was going to say, but yeah. uh, but how would the individual on what grounds would the individual claim? Correct. When uh, so what the the and Gosnell had them lying about. He had specula yeah. and and, mm-hmm. and things covered in blood and stuff like that. So what? So so that that. These things are not safe, mm-hmm. but who's regulating that? You can listen again to this or any other episode of Let's Talk Catholic at our blog, Let's Talk Catholic Podcast.blogspot.com, or you can find us on iTunes, 
Spotify, or almost any other podcast provider.